Hey, what's going on? How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah. <laughs> this may not be true, but I just got to tell you what's happening in my head. Last week, we started our Dude Be Kind uh, series, and I wore a hoodie that was not available. And you were told it would be available next week, and I said in two of the services, there's going to be a limited number. So if you really want one, you better come to the Saturday night service. And just so you know, for those of you who are watching, we're actually recording this on Saturday night. It's packed in here. Like, I've never seen this many people <laughs> at Saturday night. And it might just be random, but I am convinced y'all are selfish, and you just want <laughs> to get in on that hoodie week one, and don't pretend like you aren't, because they're all underneath your chairs. That is so funny. Oh, even if it's not true, don't ruin it for me. I'm having such a moment right now. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. That's so good to see you. Uh, you guys want to have like church for another know, 35 minutes or so? Yeah. Okay. Hey, let me, let me say two things real quick. If you weren't here last week, I would love for you to go spend the first eight minutes watching the message because we talked about, um, we we're doing a end of the year kind of heart for the house vision offering where we are um, a lot of end of the year giving. We're trying to raise about $315,000 that go to all of our missions partners, like the family you just met here that is, is heading to Africa, um, as well as um, our local missions partners, everybody you see up there. Um, all of the money helps us help kingdom-minded gospel presentation people, organizations, locally, globally, church plants, all of that, as well as um, if you're interested or you've been saving some for our building campaign, uh, For Everyone we'll be talking more about. You can do that um, as well. There's For Everyone, there's Vision, but we're gonna be receiving that offering on December 17th and 18th. But the truth is, if you're not gonna be here, you wanna do it ahead of time. Um, we've just been asking, what could you do maybe above and beyond the normal to help us help other people go do what God has called them to do? We are so blessed right now. We are able to make such a difference uh, and, and we don't want it just to, to be about us, but we want to bless other people. And we believe that the more we continue to help others be and do who God has created them to be and do, the more God's going to continue to trust us with resources. And so um, it's all his stuff and we're just stewards. Amen? Amen. Second, um, actually an important announcement. Um, when, uh, whenever you come uh, on staff, you come to work here, we, we say the same thing that while we all do different jobs, we all have the same primary responsibility, which is to grow and develop yourself as a leader and then grow and develop leaders underneath you. Uh, we want this to be a place where we are passionate and intentional about growing, always growing ourselves, but training and developing the next generation of leaders or young leaders or old leaders who just want to get better. And so um, that's something that we're, we do. It's something that's a part of every part of our, all of our departments, our entire church and organization. Uh, it's why we started the Business Leaders Lunch. It's why we have a leadership college. It's just a big part of who we are. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's something that I think is important. Uh, it's, again, stewardship of the kingdom. Now, the good side about that is, is we're constantly always raising up leaders, and I love that. The challenging part of that is, is sometimes these leaders, they get raised up, and they, they outgrow their current assignment, and God promotes them to something really, really cool and exciting. And so um, that has happened to one of our staff members. Uh, and uh, so at the end of this school year, I just want to let you know that our youth pastor, Pastor Joseph, and his wife, Sierra, are going to be leaving us uh, because I know it's, it's actually really sad for me. Um, that's them and their family, Eden and Zion. Um, but they, he has just received um, the offer and has accepted an offer as a lead pastor of the church that he grew up in in New York. He's gonna be taking the church from his dad who planted it 25 years ago, which is incredible. It's incredible. Um, 
and they're not here because Sierra's doing her job here and and he's helping with the youth over in middle school and Joseph is so much more than a youth pastor. They're incredible. Uh, just wanted you guys to know that. So he committed to four years being here uh, and he's gonna finish that out. So he's gonna be here through the school year. They've already announced it uh, to the youth group. They've already announced it back home last weekend. Uh, and so he'll be here through May 31st. Uh, but we just wanted you guys to know that. So um, every time he does something funny or stupid up here, you just soak it up for all it's worth because we don't get that for a whole lot longer. You're gonna be hearing him preach a little bit more because we wanna... Um, we wanna get the best out of him and we wanna send him and prepare it. And, and I'll tell you this, um, I couldn't be prouder of him as a man, uh, as a pastor, as a leader, and he's absolutely ready for this. And I came from a church where this is what we did. We trained up leaders and we sent them out. And the awesome part is you get to train up leaders and the hard part is you send them out. But uh, it's not my kingdom. It's not my church, it's Jesus's church. We're just stewarding it. And so we're gonna be obedient. And so um, you got six or seven months to, to tell them how much you love them, tell them thank you, encourage them. And, uh, and if you're an Ohio State fan, just let them know how much you think Ohio is better than Michigan. So um, actually right now he's just backstage watching the Michigan game. He's not doing, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So I wanted to tell you that. So let's dive into our Do Be Kind Week 2 series. And I wanna start it with a story and it goes like this. Long ago in a land far away, there was a young prince, a handsome prince who had fallen in love with a fair maiden only to find out that his maiden had been taken into captivity and she was in a dungeon in a land far away. And in order to get to this fair maiden, this young, handsome, strapping prince had to go through valleys and across mountains and through rivers and he had to conquer dragons and he had to face goblins and he had to come up with all kinds of manly stuff just to get to his maiden in this dungeon and, and mustered up the courage and the manhood and the, and the ferocity. And he went through every valley and over every mountain and he went through every river and he fought every dragon and he fought every goblin and he took on all of the castle guards and he rescued his fair maiden and he carried, his, uh, carried her off to his land where he had this beautiful castle and everything was perfect. And they lived happily ever after. Yeah, oh, yeah. That story's such crap. We love that story, and no one has ever lived it. Every Disney, every Lord of the Rings, every story you've ever heard, we love that story. We love the adventure. We love, listen, I've been married for almost 16 years and I am happily married and things are going well and we have two beautiful kids and we're in love. But I'm gonna tell you, it hasn't been necessarily always happily ever after. There have been conversations about how are we gonna pay for this and why can't we get pregnant and why are you so much like your mom or your dad or who... <laughs> Who taught you to fold clothes like that? Or, right? Like, that's just my marriage. I'm not talking about your marriage yet. You know what I mean? Like, and, and while we do it, there's no, no one has ever experienced happily ever after. And you know, we love a good story, and, and we're, but we're so drawn to it. We're so glued to the story. We lean in, it's so funny. No one has ever lived it, but the movie industry has made literally trillions of dollars on fictional happily ever after stories. And what is it the part of this? What's the part of the story that we're the most drawn to? Is it the adventure? A little bit. Is it the dragon? A little bit. Is it the mountain? A little bit. But what's the part that we really love? Happily. 
It's like when they kiss, you have problems. Actually, you don't. You're married. I like to hear that. Okay. It's the happily ever after. There's something about the happy, the happiness, the happily ever after. They're like, yes, that's going to be me someday. Sign me up. I want the prince. I want the princess. Bring me the dragon. There's more love in me than any dragon. Like we want the happily ever after. We are so drawn to that. And, and what's so interesting is that we as humans are just drawn to happiness. This I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. I want to have that. And listen, here's the, here's the cool part. There's actually nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. That's a great endeavor. It's a great aspiration. But the problem is that we in the world that we live in that is so contradictory to the way Jesus said to live has sold us a bill of lies on how to actually achieve happiness. There's actually nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. I'm not going to be one of these preachers that says you should want to be miserable. You should want to be depressed. You should just hate your life and God hates you too. That is so, that's so such crap. Okay, I've already said that word twice. I won't say it anymore this service. No, I said no. No means no. So we, we want to be happy, but we're told in this world that the way to happiness is to cheat and barter and steal and push you out of the way and step on you and do whatever I have to do to get ahead of you or above you or whatever. And I have to be very self-focused and I have to be very self-interested and it has to be very self-absorbed and it has to be very... And so the happiness is actually not the problem. It's actually the way we go about it because I have news for you. God wants you to be happy. God didn't... Like if we bear his image... If we're his sons and daughters, he doesn't want us to be miserable. He wants us to be happy. Now, the problem is we have to understand what he created us for and how we find that out. Because what's really, really interesting is, again, as I say all the time, even the, the science and psychology world is catching up to stuff the Bible said 4,000 years ago and saying the, the pursuit of happiness is not the problem, but it's how we go about attaining it. Everybody's searching for happiness. I mean, for crying out loud, our Declaration of Independence talks about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is a great thing. And, and so happiness is not negative, but how we can go about it can be negative. And I want to tell you something. Why am I talking about happiness? Because I believe everybody wants to be happy. Everybody's looking for it, and God wants you to do it. Can I tell you this unbelievably awesome secret? Do you know one of the secrets? Do you know where happiness is actually found? In being kind to others. I'm going to read you two psychology studies, secular universities in the last 10 years. Kindness is actually linked to happiness. And happiness is actually linked to kindness. See, we have the, we're on this kindness initiative. I'm just crazy enough to think that if we all were kind to each other, the world might be a little more tolerable. I know, call me crazy. So psychology and research, I want to share a couple of studies. There was a study in the Journal of Social Psychology. This was in Great Britain where they had 86 participants and they divided them into three groups. One group, they said, for 10 days, you have to do an act of kindness every day. The second group, they said, you need to try something new every day, 10 days, each group. And the third group, they gave no instructions. And they, right? <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing. We'll never guess what the results of that'll be. Uh, and so when the, and when the 10 days were up, the researchers asked the participants to complete the life satisfaction survey again. So they took a survey on the front end. They took a survey on the back end. 
And what they found is that the groups that practice kindness or practice stretching themselves and doing something new every day, both saw a boost in their own personal happiness uh, and about a roughly equal boost. And the third group that did nothing different didn't get any happier. Who knew? Similarly, another study was done by the Harvard Business School that had uh, 51 participants, and they asked them a couple questions. They said, we want you to recall the last time you spent anywhere between 20 and $100 on yourself. Okay, they did. And how, what'd you buy and how to make you feel? And then they said, now we want you to recall the last time you spent between 20 and $100 on someone else. What did you, what did you buy and how did it make you feel? And what was Interesting is they found two different things. Is they, uh, uh, oh, and then first of all, and then they gave them a sum of money, somewhere between $20 and $100, and they said, we want you to go spend it. You can do whatever you want with it. You can spend it on someone else. You can spend it on yourself. We just want you to please do what you think is gonna make you the happiest, and we'll keep your, your, uh, your answers anonymous because we want it to be true. And what they, what they found was two big findings. First of all, that people more vividly remembered the last time they spent $20 to $100 on someone else and had a much more happier remembrance of what they did for that person they, than they did the ability to remember what they did for themselves or the fact that it made them happier. So they, they first of all, could remember it better, and then they, um, they realized that the happier participants felt about their past generosity made them more likely to be generous once again. And in fact, in psychology, uh, the world, that world, both studies have kind of coined this phrase, the positive feedback loop between kindness and happiness. And what they're finding, and, and you can even find articles, all, I mean, you don't have to look hard to find this, is the, the psychology world is telling us now these days that kindness makes you happy and happiness makes you kinder. And kindness makes you happy and happiness makes you kinder. And so we're in this series, three weeks on dude, be kind, because it's basically my summary of the gospel it's, this is if Corey were to put Jesus's words into three-word context, this is it. Like, love God, love people, dude, be kind. And so uh, what I wanna talk about a couple of the benefits of kindness. Like, why should I be kind? Well, number one, kindness leads to happiness. I, I told the, the fairy tale story, and some of you clapped, and yay, happily ever after. Why? We love happiness. Well, guess what? If you wanna experience more happiness, be kind. Be a little kinder. You wanna be as happy as you are now, keep being as kind as you are now. Or unkind, I don't know. You wanna be more happy? Be more generous, be more kind, be more considerate, be more pa patient, be more forgiving. Do any of these words sound familiar to anybody who's ever read the Bible? So kindness leads to happiness. And so we see in the New Testament, our, our kind of our umbrella scripture for this whole series is, is Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, where, where Paul is writing to the Ephesians. He's trying to teach them like how to do this thing right. He says, be kind to one another. And so if you weren't here last week or in case you are like me and you have a lot of things happen in a week and you forget things, I wanna remind you, our definition for kindness is actually not really a definition. It's more of a picture. And biblical kindness is just simply this idea of you over me. I'm going to put you above me. Remember, there were three parts. I'm going to lower me so I can elevate you so I can lift the load off of your life. And it's starting Thanksgiving next Thursday. Remember, we have 37 days where if we all do two acts of kindness a day between Thanksgiving and the end of the year, that's 222,000 minimum acts of kindness, we might actually touch everybody in our city. Let's just do it. Oh, by the way, I left out last week. You might actually get happier in the middle of it. 
<laughs> Somebody nudged their spouse and be like, babe, you need this, right? And so we talked about this idea of kindness and, and we, we looked at that, the movie Wonder and we said this, and this is kind of our, our quote for our, our, our whole, the, the, the premise, the, the pretense, uh, uh, the precept of our whole series is this, when given the choice between being right and being kind, choose kind. Simple, right? Can I, can I just side note for a second? I've been so blown away and so encouraged by how far you guys have already taken this. I received messages and pictures of teachers' walls that have kindness walls with dude be kind on it and they're taking it to their classrooms and they're taking it to their schools and sixth graders and eighth graders and high schools. There are insurance offices that have this painted around and they're talking about their kindness initiative within their clients and their office as they sell insurance. Like I am, I couldn't, I'm like I'm a pastor on top of the world this week. Cause like if, if, if there's ever been a message that's being applied, it's, it's happening now. And, and we're just seeing this kindness thing happen because all you gotta do is bring some people with you and we get to make this big giant ripple effect. So why should we be kind? Because kindness leads to happiness. You wanna know another benefit of kindness? There's something else I found that most people are looking for. In fact, I'll, I'll just do a real quick survey. Um, how many of you in this room or online, you can raise your hand online, how many of you would like to make good choices? Oh, like everybody. What's another word for making good choices? Wisdom, right? So not only do I think everybody's looking for happiness, but I also think we wanna be wise, right? Like we wanna make, I, I'm not, I, again, I made a joke like this last week. I'll do it again this week. I've never had anybody come into my office, pastor, I'm just making too many good choices. Things are going too well. The relationships are so fulfilled. My finances are so in order. Can you help me make some worse decisions? Like these, these good decisions are leading to too many good things in my life. I'm convinced that maybe some more bad decisions would give me some more challenges. And I just think things are too easy. I've never had that conversation. Not with one of my friends. I never had that with one of my mentors. Nobody's ever come and talked to me about it. I'm, to my knowledge, none of my pastors have had any of those conversations with, with us. Why? Because what are we constantly doing? Like, pastor, things are going crazy and yada, yada. And most of the time we can track back a lot of the challenges in our life to the choices we have made. So I'm convinced two things that we all have in common is like, we all wanna be happy, which is great. And we all wanna be wise. We wanna make good choices. Well, guess what? I got more good news for you. Not only does kindness lead to happiness, guess what else, guess what else kindness leads to? Wisdom. Wisdom is actually kindness. And we see this in the book of James. The book of James is fascinating to me. A little bit of Bible history. Um, James was the half-brother of Jesus. We say half-brother because Joseph was actually his dad and Mary was his mom and Jesus' dad was like God and then Mary and that's how that works. Uh, but James, they grew up in the same home, but James actually didn't believe in Jesus. I mean, he knew he was real, but he didn't believe Jesus was the savior. You know, I can only imagine what that was like growing up. Like, I'm the son of God. Well, good news, great, cool story. Go mow the grass. You know, whatever. Like, I don't know how that was like. But James wasn't buying it. Like James actually wasn't a believer in Jesus the Savior until Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And he's like, oh, he said he was gonna do all that. I think my brother is the son of God. True story, that's how it happened. That's my version of how it happened, but it's how it happened. So then James writes a letter and James writes a letter in the New Testament and it's, it's a very different letter than any other letters in the New Testament. And most of them are to groups of people, but James is kind of the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's like just packs a punch of a bunch of one-liners, but James has this really direct way of speaking. And, and he's coming from the guy who literally grew up with the savior Messiah. 
and then became convinced that he was the, the, the savior. So um, in fact, next year, we have an entire series set aside just for the book of James. I'm really excited about sometime in 2022. Um, but, but he writes in here, I'm gonna read this. This is what James, uh, again, grew up with Jesus, saw Jesus, and then helped Jesus build the church after Jesus went back home to heaven. So he says this about wisdom. He says, if you are wise and you're understanding and you understand God's ways, he says, prove it. Say, prove it. Prove it. Yeah, type prove it, prove it, prove it. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Now you see right here in the scripture, there's not much of a stretch. What is James saying? First of all, he's like, first of all, he's saying, if you're wise, I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care what you, what blog you read. I don't really care what you think you know, show me. The whole book of James, he's like, he, you can tell he's kind of tired of religious people talking. He's like, just shut up and show me. That's like the book of James. So he's like, if you're wise, take your degree off your wall, go do something in humility and show it by living a honorable life, by doing good things in humility. James is saying, why don't you lower yourself to elevate someone else? If you're really wise, you would do things for other people. This is where true wisdom is found. And I love this, and he's gonna contrast, and we're gonna see James kind of contrast this. And so he says, verse 14, he goes on, but if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition, if you're all about yourself and you can't be happy for other people and you wish it was me, in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. He goes on in verse 15 to say uh, that for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Okay, here we go, James. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Yeah. When I say James packs a punch, I mean James packs a punch. He's saying there's a God kind of wisdom that's different than the world's kind of wisdom. And he's saying if there's ever anything that's self-focused about, again, cheating, lying, bartering, stepping on you, pushing you around, abusing you, manipulating you, taking advantage of you, cutting corners, he's like, that ain't God's kind of wisdom. He says, that's not only is it earthly, he goes, it's really unspiritual. In fact, it's just straight up demonic. Well, what does James know? Oh yeah, he grew up with Jesus. <laughs> he would know. So I put together a chart kind of picturing James kind of is giving us, if I can put James in my own words, we kind of see this, there's this world wisdom and the world's way of wisdom, and we've kind of already outlined this, is, is focused on its ego. Um, the world's wisdom is, is all about me and puffing myself up. I'm kind of a big deal. It's the self-focus. What can I do? What can I get? Who knows me, my name, my brand? It's very self-focused. World wisdom is about lying. I'll say whatever I got to say to whoever I got to say it to get ahead, to make you think, to manipulate, uh, even if it's subtle, even if that's how the business world is. By the way, the whole business world isn't that way. I know a lot of upstanding Christian honorable business people who God is honoring them by doing the right things. Lying. Jealousy is the world's wisdom. The world says if somebody else gets ahead, figure out how you can cut their legs out from underneath, sabotage them. Yeah, but they're not all that. How can I get ahead? I can't be happy for you because if, if things are going good for you, then it must mean they're going bad for me, which is so stupid. Why can't it just be good for both of us? World wisdom is bitterness. These are all words we find. Words or summations, what we find in James, is like all this of bitterness, like, oh, I just can't stand that guy. I can't stand that lady. I can't stand that family. He says, this is what the world says is how you go ahead and you be successful and you get ahead. But then he goes into verse 17 and he comes back and I'll give you James's words. He says, but, verse 17, he says, but wisdom that comes from above, wisdom from heaven, godly world kingdom, uh, godly wisdom, kingdom wisdom is first of all pure, love that word, 
It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times. Whoa. I feel like I should just pray right now. (laughs) Gentle at all times. So when I'm not being gentle, it sounds earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. But when I am, I'm experiencing wisdom from above. Willing to yield to others. There's that humility word again, lowering myself. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds again. So James is saying wisdom is doing good things for other people. Kindness is wisdom. Wisdom is kindness. It shows no favoritism. It doesn't matter how much you do or don't make or who you do or don't know or what you do or don't have or what your past is or isn't. We're gonna treat everybody the same because we're all God's children. And it is always sincere. I love that. Verse 18 says, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of unrighteousness. So James, very clearly in this five scriptures, by the way, that's James 3, 13 through 18 says, there's basically two kinds of wisdom. There's world's wisdom, and it is all about you and getting ahead and doing whatever you gotta do, and it will it'll corrupt you, and it could not be more different than God's wisdom. And God's wisdom, world wisdom says, get ahead. Uh, happiness and wisdom is all about you. And God says, actually, happiness and kindness is all about others. Happiness and wisdom is all about others. And so go back to our chart here. James is basically saying, while world wisdom is these things, kingdom wisdom is very, very different. Uh, and I wish I would have written them down in my notes, so I didn't. So you guys have to tell me what's on the TV. I forgot to put it in my notes. Oh, it's pure. Yep, forgot to put them in. Humble, peace, others focused. What's the last one? Kindness. These are obvious. Pull these straight out of James. And as simple as this is, I think we forget this. Oh, I want to be happy. I want to make good choices. I want to be wise. Well, thank you, James, brother of Jesus. He says, if you want to be happy, you want to be wise, then have pure motives. Be considerate about other people. Lower yourself, humble, yield to others, he says. The word peace shows up like three different times. Don't actually focus on yourself, but actually focus on others and let kindness come out of you. And so what's really, really cool, just like psychology said, kindness leads to happiness and happiness leads to kindness, we kind of see the same cycle here in the book of James when it comes to wisdom. So let's go to our our next chart because I like like pictures. So we see wisdom, like I want to have wisdom. Wisdom starts with this idea of of understanding who I am to God. It starts with my identity. The, the The godly wisdom starts with understanding my identity in God, that I don't belong to the world. I belong to God and his kingdom. So it's going to help me, it's going to help me to see myself the way God sees me. When I understand how God sees me, I've shared on this many times, when I understand how God sees me, there's an inevitability that it helps me to see you how God sees you. I see others how God sees them. This is what godly wisdom does. I see myself the right way. I see how God sees others. And when I see myself as a son of, of the most high, who's dearly loved, doesn't have to earn it, doesn't have to prove it. I just, I, I am because of what Jesus did, not because of what I've done. I now I'm gonna treat you in the same fat form and fashion. And the way I'm gonna treat you is gonna be kindness. I'm gonna have no problem lowering myself to elevate you to lift a burden because I'm keenly aware that that's what he did for me. And then he says, go and do likewise, be like me. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna be bad at it. He's like, I know, but I'll help. I'm like, okay, here we go. And then kindness is actually gonna lead to more wisdom, which is gonna help me even more see myself the way God sees me, which is gonna help me even more see you the way God sees you, which is even more gonna help me be more kind, which is gonna make me more wise, and then I'm even more gonna know my identity, and then I'm even more gonna know who you are, who you are, according to God, and I'm even, these are two great cycles. Wisdom leads to kindness, wisdom leads to happiness, and we just go round and round and round and round. I just wanna make better choices, I just wanna be happy. Dude, be kind. 
Like somebody tell me I'm not oversimplifying this. I'm not a brilliant person. I like narrowing things down to the least common denominator. And I'm like, I, I see this in here. I'm like, man, this kindness isn't just about, let's go show the world what God is like. Yes, we talked about that last week. Let's just be salt and light. Next week, we have a great message on who and how far. It's gonna be amazing. But it's not just what we can do for somebody else, but God actually made us in a way where he's like, this is actually really good for you. You being kind is good for you. You loving, you being at peace, you humbling yourself, you being others oriented, you thinking about somebody else more, it's not just good for them. It actually has what you're looking for, whether you recognize it or not. So we see that kindness leads to happiness. We see that kindness leads to wisdom. And my last thought as we close is actually Jesus is what leads to kindness. Because it's not just about trying hard to be good. It's not giving our best. This isn't just a, a this isn't a, a, a self-help a pep talk. It, there's an understanding of a need for grace. There's an understanding that kindness is embodied in the person of God. It's it, compassion and love is who God is. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. In fact, uh, I, I referenced this last week, but the Bible is very clear that for us to come to God, we don't come to God out of fear or, or because he's some sort of antagonistic anarchist. It's actually his loving kindness. Romans, Paul, the, the apostle wrote to the Roman church. He said, it's God's kindness. He said, don't you know? It's why there's a question mark. He's, he knows the answer. Is God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. That word repentance is the metamorphosis. It's the change. It's the turning from the world's happiness and the world's wisdom to God's happiness and God's wisdom. It's like, man, I'm experiencing more of the healing and everything that he has for me. And maybe this holiday season where it can be a downer for a lot of us, instead of it being a downer, it could be an uplifter, not because we're on the receiving end of kindness, but because we're on the giving end of kindness. Why? Because God in Christ was kind to us. God says there's a different way. The, I don't have time, but the Bible is full of stories of Jesus's kindness. In fact, in his day, the Jews hated the Samaritans so much more on this next week that they would walk an extra day's journey, 25 miles out of the way to miss them because they hated them so much. Yet one day, God, Jesus went out of his way to go through Samaria to meet a woman who had a completely broken, a shameful life and engaged her and added dignity to her and spoke life to her and, and spoke truth and peace to her. In fact, so much that she invited him to his village and many of the other side, the enemy became followers of Jesus because of Jesus's kindness to the outsider of outsiders. Another story, a woman is caught in adultery, which in those days was, was uh, uh, punishable upon being stoned to death. And they throw her at Jesus's feet and they said, teacher, the law says we gotta kill this woman. And so he says, fine, let the first person who's never made a mistake, go ahead and throw the first stone. And rather than judgment, she got kindness and compassion and they all left. And he says, so where are your accusers, ma'am? And she says, well, they're all gone, sir. Actually, they weren't, he was still there and he was perfect. He goes, well, if they're gone, then neither do I condemn you. You don't have to live this way anymore. Go sin no more. Unbelievable kindness. There was a man, Zacchaeus, who literally sold out and robbed his own community. And rather than punish him in the middle of the city, Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus. Like, Zacchaeus, let's go eat with you and your hoodlum friends today. That's the translation. And all the religious people were like, what? I've been tithing since I was 10. Why can't we eat at my house? And he's like, oh, I didn't come for well people. I came for sick people. I didn't come for perfect people. I came for broken people. Amen. Kindness. Constantly he would teach and they would try to keep the children away. And he'd be like, no, no, no. Let the kids come to me. Kindness. 
Every picture, every story, every word out of Jesus's mouth in his life is a picture of kindness. So you have two options. You can either try really hard to be a better person or you can let Jesus be the center of your life and go, God, you give me that spirit that will lead to repentance. Whether you've said yes to Jesus before and you're like, I just need an infilling of the Holy Spirit to help me be who Jesus made me to be. Or if for the first time you're like, man, I've been trying to do this the world's way of happiness and wisdom and I've never heard anything like this. What do I gotta do? You know what you gotta do? You gotta believe this is true in your heart and you gotta say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And you watch what he will do. He can do in minutes and days what, what the rest of the world can't do in months and years and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because while kindness can lead to wisdom and kindness can lead to happiness, Jesus actually leads to kindness. So what you're actually looking for, whether you knew it or not, is more of Jesus. Isn't that so beautiful? In fact, John, the disciple, he wrote several letters in first, the book First John, towards the end of the New Testament. He puts it so poetically brilliant. He says this in First John 4, 7 and 8. He says, dear friends, and you see the word love, you can substitute that with kindness. Let us love or let us be kind to one another. For love and kindness comes from God. So everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Why is he saying Jesus leads to kindness? God is kind. God leads to kindness. However, he says in verse eight, whoever doesn't love or isn't kind doesn't know God because God's love. God doesn't have love. God doesn't do love. He is love. It's who he is is. And he says, I will offer all of myself to you if you will make room in your life to make me the center. And that love will reside in you and you will be and do things. You will be somebody and you will do things that you could not ever be or do on your own if you will allow me that spot. And you will be kind and you will be happy and you will be wise and you will know what it's like to be loved by the creator of the universe. So kindness isn't just for them. It's for us and it's for them. Because I always say this all the time, everything in God's kingdom is both and win-win. So I want to read you as we close. I want to reread you James 3, and I, it's the message rendering, the message translation. I don't know how often you get into it, but it's so brilliant. And maybe this week, this will be our passage. Maybe for you, you just study and you meditate in your devotion or prayer time. Some of you are like, what's that? It's just a daily time where you spend time with God. If you don't have one, this would be a great week to start one. If you used to have one, this would be a great week to start back up. And maybe we just start with these five verses and you read it in a different version a couple times a day. But this was too good not for me to be repetitive. And so James says it this way. Do you want to be counted wise? You want to make good choices? Yeah. To build a reputation for wisdom? Yeah. Here's what you do. Live well. Live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mean-spirited ambition is not wisdom. Boasting that you are wise is not wisdom. I love that. I'm wise. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> we'll get a little less filter tonight. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's actually the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, it's devilish and conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at each other's throats. Come on, somebody. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy, that word means set apart, living differently. A holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, 
not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. Isn't that so good? There's nothing else I need to say. Turns out growing up with Jesus had its perks. He learned some stuff. Last week I said, if Paul were here, he could parachute down and give us a three-word sermon. I think he would say, dude, be kind. I think if James could parachute too, second week, and give us a three-word sermon, you know what I think he'd say? Dude, be kind. And if you do, you're gonna find wisdom. If you do, you're gonna find happiness. If you do, you're gonna find Jesus. If you do, you're gonna find what you've been looking for your whole life, whether you knew it or not. So I'm gonna invite everybody just to bow your heads right where you're at. Where do you need more of Jesus? Where do you need more wisdom? Where do you need more happiness? Where do you need to see yourself more the way God sees you? Where do you need to see others the way God sees you? Maybe you just say, ah, man, pastor, I want the whole thing. I'm just gonna say, uh, like I did last week, a really simple prayer. You can repeat it after me, even if you're on your screen or on your TV at home. I just wanna invite you to say this very, very simple prayer. And I hope you take this with you, both motivated and inspired by the benefits of kindness, both for you and the world around you. Let's say this together if you feel comfortable. Heavenly Father, I'm so glad you're kind, that it starts with you, that it's who you are, and you offered it to me. So today I receive it. I receive your love, your grace, your kindness. Be the center of my life. Be the Lord. And God, help me be like you. Be more kind with my words, with my actions. And help me to experience the wisdom and the happiness that comes from kingdom wisdom, from kingdom kindness. Help me to be kind in the way that you're kind. In Jesus' name, amen.